Welcome into Missing the Point. Oh my gosh, it's another Check My Oil. This will be the third episode ever uh, across the course of six months, but we're really hoping to up the uh, rate at which these are produced, especially since, guys, the amount of great fights coming up are unbelievable, and I had a fucking unbelievable time watching that card uh, last Saturday. I, I genuinely enjoyed every single fight. I got a bunch of people that never watch the UFC, like Steven, my brother, never watches the UFC, but I made him listen to the show. He said he felt very informed, and then he had a really good time watching the cards. So I feel like we're creating new fans for violence, which uh, which is really what we're trying to do here on Check My Oil, as, as well as, you know, have fun. We're going to do a little recap today, uh, a little recap, medium-sized recap, a big recap, whatever you want to call it. It'll be what it'll be. Let's be organic about it. And we're going to go through the fights in the same order we did the preview. For those of you who listen to that, if you didn't, uh, welcome to your first episode of Check My Oil. Welcome to getting your oil checked. Uh, if you don't know what that means, Google it. We're going to talk about all the fights that we talked about. And now they've happened. So now we have facts. And I'll tell you, we did pretty good at predicting who was going to win and who wasn't. We did pretty good at, at, at predicting who were risky bets and, and who wasn't. And... I have to say, guys, I was this fucking close to putting the $600 I had won on the night on Alexa Grasso to be Valentina Shevchenko. But I thought back to the show and I was like, well, both the guys didn't think that was possible. Fuck you guys for that, for sure. But that's okay. You can't think about it like that in a gambling sense. We'll get to that fight. That was a good one. That was a great one. I'm really glad that division isn't stagnant anymore. But we're going to start with Ian Gary and Song Kanan because that was the fight we started with last time. And it was a really interesting and entertaining fight. Exactly what we said what was going to happen was that Ian Gary, Ben, I think it was your point, stands too fucking straight up. His chin's always up in the air. He's going to get caught by someone. What we did say was it's not going to be Song Kanan. That was incorrect. In the first round, he gets absolutely buzzed, uh, hits the deck, gets back up, goes on to win the fight. And I would I would call it borderline spectacular fashion. Borderline. It was it was a solid win. It was it was a, it was a really good win. It was a knockout. We said that we said he couldn't get to a decision. Uh, he needed to make a statement. Despite that blip, Matt, you seem to be higher on Ian Gary than uh, maybe you were this time last week. I am. I certainly am. Uh, we were right. Stands too straight up. He uh, he did get taken down, but then, man, he looked so sharp in the rest of that fight, just tagging him with anything he wanted. And, you know, I have to, I have to apologize because I made a couple jokes at the expense of the Irish people and you. <laughs> but in the last show, and since then, I found out I'm actually one-eighth Irish. <laughs> I totally forgot about uh, that. Oh my it's, been God. A tough, it's been a tough week. Rips with it. I, uh, you know, <laughs> one step at a time. But, you know, you just, you go day to day. You just go um, day by day and you make it happen. No, I love Ian Gary. I really like his style. Uh, Matt, prop comedy, as much as I do revere it as the greatest of all comedic art forms, isn't great for radio. <laughs> just call me Gallagher, baby. <laughs> Man, did you just go pick that up right before this? You know I did. You know I did. What do you well, mean? It I came love with the Ancestry.com report. I should I do joke. it. I love Ian Gary. I love his style. I think when he learns how to protect himself more, I think he's going to actually be a force. I think he just needs to keep on fighting these these strong guys, these guys that have some skills but are never going to quite make it. And I think we're going to see a future from him. And I love the after-fight antics from him as well. I don't know if... I mean, yeah, we'll see a future off. from him if he keeps fighting guys that can't finish him. I, well, yeah, I agree with you. But, I mean, well, eventually, like we said, a step up of competition is going to happen. Well, let's 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 think about it. He hit, he's a lock for the McGregor fight card. He's a lock for it. So if he can fight one time in between those two, because now he's not injured, now he's healthy, he's ready to go, and show some more flash and not, you know, hit the deck on a simple shot, uh, you know, I can see him moving up very quickly. Ben, what'd you think of that punch? I feel I felt like it was amateur hour getting clipped at that and going down. What'd you think? Yeah, so overall really impressed with Ian. Um he led. He was. He was leading with the jab really well, and just lead side attack. So he was jabbing, jabbing to the body, changing levels, and then lead side switch kick. Really, really impressive stuff. But uh, as we were talking about, he he would enter too straight up, but more importantly, he was exiting the pocket too straight up. So he got caught in the middle of what looked like the middle of a conversation. He led with the jab, and then it looked like he was loading up the right hand, and got caught with a wild hook, which yeah. any other time 
would have missed, would have, would have missed by a mile. It was a desperate hook that just happened to catch because mm-hmm. he, uh, Song had nothing for him for, for the rest of the fight. Real good uh, attacks to the, to the calf, uh, making uh, Song entirely immobile. Um, and uh, good, good game plan coming in, I thought, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not as if he's not, I don't think he's loving the smell of his own farts at the moment. Like, I think he realizes that the competition, even at what I guess would, <clears throat> if you're calling it like the pre prelims, the bottom of the UFC, like these are still guys that are in the premier fighting competition on earth, right? So, Son Kanan's not going to be some dude off the couch, right? Is he, is he Israel Adesanya? No. Is he, you know, is he Hazmat Chimaev? No. But you have to prepare for guys like this. And he came in with a game plan, I thought, that took his opponent super seriously, with the exception of that one moment. I feel like now that we're talking about it out loud, and now that you have that, you've given me that technical analysis of like the actual punch, I feel actually less concerned about it. As much as we knew it was going to happen, and there is that kind of technical hole in the defensive part of his game, <clears throat> I feel like that it, it's almost good that it happened. You know, like, you know, when a team is, ha- is having a, like a, an 8 0, 9 0 season, they're cruising to 16 0, and you're kind of like, I kind of want them to take one L because you got to learn. You know, you got to learn the things that you're not doing right. And you don't want that found out in the championship rounds or, the, or a championship fight or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, if it's that simple of a technical mistake, maybe he was, maybe he was getting a little bit overconfident in the middle of the fight. But I don't know. I feel like he'll look at that. He'll work to improve it. His length almost. Tell me if you think this is a fair assessment, Ben. His length almost kind of let him down in that situation because I think he's so used to like touching guys at the end of his length that when he moves in and out, like you were saying, he immediately feels like he doesn't have to move that far, right? But then he was just a little one step more into the pocket than he thought, and then bang. Well, yes. Yeah, so two two good points that you bring up. Um, good that it happened because he got clipped, got dropped, recovered well, and then his hand never dropped for the rest of the fight. So yeah. he was striking. So he was protecting the very bottom of his jaw. So when he would load up for the fight for to throw the right hand, his hand would drop. Then he started. He brought his hand higher and he started loading from there. Um, he learned from it. He adjusted really well. But one big one thing that tall guys do, and you see this in the gym a lot, you see this in fights, his head movement was essentially a lean. That's yeah. all he had. Oh, so yeah. He I've seen that. I've seen deep. that in the mirror a few times. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. I've, I've, I've felt you slap me in real life because of that lean. Because <laughs> I'm like, but yeah, yeah. my arms are so long. Yeah. You, you get you get used to having the distance. But once his footwork uh, abandoned him and he got he wasn't able to get far enough out, the lean didn't do it. Hmm. Well, Matt, what do you think overall after we watched Ian Gary? I don't know if you bet on him or not. I stayed away because that's the conversation we had going into it because it's just like that is risky. That defensive hole is risky. That footwork stuff is risky. I I, I am higher on him on the hype side. Like you said, I think his personality showing through. I can't let that inform my bets. I don't want that to inform the listeners bets. So just on a technical uh, assessment of, of what you saw on Saturday night, it, are you more or less likely to bet on him? I'm definitely more likely to bet on him. I want to see him in a real prelim fight. Uh, I think uh, 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 Song Kanan was strong, really strong. And I think the way he ended up neutralizing him and taking his leg away was very impressive. I think he looked fast. I think he looked clean with his shots. And I think Ben's right. There's definitely some holes, and I just want to see what happens when he moves up in competition. Yeah, and I think that there's a theme, a theme developed rather quickly on the night, and I do. I always talk about it. it's a little. I mean, it's a little hocus pocusy, but I really do think these themes develop because of how they match make these cards. And sometimes you get lucky and you get a really good card where like a lot of this stuff comes up over and over again. We had this conversation about big upsets or big underdogs and big favorites on this card where it was like, there's a lot of locks. Like there's a lot of hit. This guy's definitely going to do this. This guy's definitely going to do that. Every underdog on this card, almost every underdog on this card. I thought fought a better fight than people expected them to. And that's not because every favorite didn't fight a good fight. I thought there was just a lot. It was, I thought the matchmakers knew a lot more than the Vegas odds makers did going into that fight. And we had this conversation about Grasso and uh, Valentina. It's like, you guys can't put lines that big on combat sports because anything can fucking happen. If you slip a little, into into somebody's punch like it like you're just you got a little water on the bottom of your foot and you slip a little people don't notice that even in the replay it just happens a little and bang you're just your head's in the wrong place those lines are crazy and honestly vegas are going to learn that they're going to learn that the more this stuff happens but i feel like they're the most inexperienced guessing these lines putting these lines out 
on this sport. They have the NFL locked up. They know exactly how to put lines on the NFL. Sometimes you see these cards and you're like, oh, there's some value here because of Vegas is not not, not like they don't know. But what they don't know is that MMA is just so fucking wildly oh, yeah. predictable. And uh, the Vivian Arujo and Amanda Rebass fight is also a good example of that because Amanda Rebas went in there and I swear to God, she looked like she had never been in a stand up fist fight before in her fucking life. She was slow. She was loopy. Her chin was sticking straight up in the air. And at this point, I had money. I had money on her by this point, right? She was she was uh, uh, an anchor to some of my parlays. I really needed her to win. And she, she started off the fight looking like shit. They grapple immediately, almost immediately. And there's some exchanges on the ground. Amanda, we knew, was going to look better on the ground. Once they got back up and Amanda caught her, her confidence came in. And then all of a sudden, she remembered how to fist fight. So I want to go to Ben first on this because my question is, how is it that in a in a lights are on you situation, your muscle memory can betray you like that? Like to the point of like, I can see people being stiff. I can see people being lacking confidence. I can see people shelling up. But to just completely forget how because that's obviously not her stance. That's obviously not her her usual approach to stand up fighting. It's obviously not her footwork. Once she got confident, that changed. But how is it that your muscle memory would abandon you like that? It didn't look like it was going to be the game plan either. I, no. it, uh, I'd honestly rather just skip this fight for all that it's worth. For Christ's sake. God, that was awful. <laughs> but I've never seen anything like that. That was crazy. The wacky waving inflatable arm flailing too. <laughs> <laughs> that it's that, that her, her approach in, in, into striking distance was terrible, but but so was her opponent who yeah, I'm sorry, whose name I can't recall because this fight Vivian Arujo. Oh, yeah, man, I, I would have to say that that looked like a case of somebody really trying to shake out the jitters as they were going along. Not not so much like obviously nervous, but not showing up, not frozen, trying to get her body moving. But man, it just wasn't there. That was uh, is that, that honor. Is that on the coaches, Ben? Like in your experience, is that like a poor preparation? Was she not getting her head right in the locker room? What do you think causes a fighter to come out and look like that and then wake up and show that they are, by the nth degree, the more skilled fighter? Uh, I, I I think it's hard to put that on the coaches because I would imagine she doesn't train like that in the gym. Um, mm. If you're not fighting how you train, you're not going to be successful. And... Uh, she, I mean, God, I hope she doesn't tra train like that in the gym because if so, then it absolutely is on our coaches. They <laughs> hire those bastards. Yeah, I mean, I think the coach, the coaches looked puzzled as to what her, what the fuck she was doing out there for the first few minutes. Sometimes, and I've seen this be more true in boxing in my in my time watching boxing than MMA. And in MMA, it's ri it's a risky venture. But sometimes you just need to get popped one time and be like, oh yeah, I'm in a fight. Oh yeah, I forgot, I'm in a fight. As as opposed to. You know, you're in the locker room, your head goes in a weird place, you do the walkout, the pageantry, the lights, you just go to a weird spot. I'm, it's not so much an adrenaline dump as it is like a, maybe she was just daydreaming a little bit. You know what I mean? Like more than she even thought where she's just like, oh yeah, this is, I'm here, I'm here to do this, whatever. Then you get tagged, right? You get a little, one scramble, just one good scramble, get the blood flowing, be like, oh yeah, I'm in a fucking fist fight. And then all of a sudden everything, <laughs> everything changes, but I've never seen somebody come out and and play the mark like that as hard as she did like and then immediately look like her whole stance changed her chin tucked like her hands came up she started winning the stand-up exchanges clearly and this was just after one little scramble i mean it was fucking crazy i will say this though matt on the gambling side uh i'm never fucking betting on her ever again no, like that's again. that's that's a mental midget right there and i'm not i don't trust her i mean me and you were talking about while we were watching it we were like what the fuck are you kidding me? She it looked like she came out and it was an Instagram fight video at a mall. It was ridiculous. We yeah, ended up winning. Loopy, loopy punches were like Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> we thought this was going to be a one round fight. This was that was ridiculous. I'm so glad that she came out and built our confidence our confidence back up. But it's one of those situations where you just start looking at the next fight. Like, how am I going to make this money back? Because yeah. this is a massive. How, how am I going to throw good money after bad money? Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. That, yep. I, I just want to call out, there was one moment in the fight where I believe uh, Rivas jabbed, missed, Arujo jabbed, missed, and then uh, Rivas countered, jabbed, missed. And it was the, three missed jabs, no, no follow-up behind it, no other strikes. 
absolutely terrible display. It's, uh, it wasn't the highest level of combat sports. I'm never going to bet on either of these women ever again. And no. especially with with what we will come on to talk to, the high-level uh, female combatants that were in the co-main event. I remember, too, I think it was this fight where my wife and I started having a conversation about the difference between like big, wide punches, hooks, and straights. And I told her about this moment. I remember after Ben first started training when we were like, I don't know, 15 or 16. And we always used to like, like all boys do in basements, we always used to like wrestle and fight and like do all this stuff. But obviously none of us knew what we were doing. And I remember one of the very early things Ben learned in either like boxing or like general MMA training, whatever it was, was like, you got to just throw them straight down the pipe, man. Like everybody, when they start, whatever the human instinct for throwing a punch is before someone teaches them how is like this big loopy punch. You know, the, I, what I'm referring to lately is the Jake Paul, this big loopy overhand punch that like no one who's ever trained is going to get hit by, which is why like trained fighters always beat untrained fighters, like one of the many reasons. But the idea of throwing a punch down the pipe works in such a spectacular way for when you're ever in a physical violence situation or even just like slap boxing with your friends or doing whatever. I've used the just throw it straight down the pipe thing and the look of shock on people's faces <laughs> because I think they're looking over here and over here for that punch to come in. And when it comes straight down here, it's a completely different story. In the UFC, the people who get elite jabs over the next few years, if when people when those strikers start jabbing like boxers jab, Jabs that do damage, jabs that shock, jabs that uh, hide other things, defensive jabs, jabs to get them out of situations. I think a lot of guys have good have had good jabs, good straights over the course of the years, but I don't know if we've seen, maybe I'm forgetting somebody, I don't know if we've seen like the elite jab yet. Well, and I think I think that once that comes in, that guy's going to make a little run. You know, for my money, I think the most elite jab in the UFC right now is probably Jamal Hill. I think he throws it pretty. I think it's clean and I think it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll come on to talk about him. But first, we have to do Terry Brunson and, and Drake Drake Drykus Drykus Duplessis. This is another example of the theme I was just talking about. Uh, an underdog. Everybody was doubting Derek Brunson. Everybody turns out was correctly <laughs> doubting Derek Brunson because he got knocked out. But he did really good. He did better than we thought he was going to do. And I, what I forgot about Duplessis, and start with you, Matt, on this one on the gambling front, and I'm going to remember next time is he looks like he's uh, about to get knocked out even when he isn't. And then sometimes he is. And he looks tired when he's not as tired as he actually is. And they were having this conversation about how he said that to the commentators in their pre-fight meetings or whatever. It's scary. I don't love it. Oh, no. Uh, it, it's a heart attack the whole time. And we were talking through the first round, just like, oh, no, he's never going to survive this. He looked exhausted. He looked spun after every shot he took it. And then just won it he just flat out won that fight i mean he was he was the better fighter he made all those weird comments about being the only real african in the u.s he's a weirdo he's Ugh. a fucking weirdo dude I, I told you we had we had that apartheid conversation in the preview show and i think there's i think there's some fucking skeletons in the family closet it just didn't feel uh, good but no i you know and i we, we talked about him coming off his till fight and i said uh Till had just come off a, a full training camp with Hamzat, and yeah, I think I was right. I think Duplessis got the best of Darren Till that there was to offer, and he showed it against Derek Brunson. Yeah, I think every time I watched Duplessis like not do good, I screamed like, "God, Darren Till sucks!" Because yeah. like any time I have to base any information off a Darren Till fight, I haven't even assessed him as low as I should have. Right. Um, God, this we should rename the show to the fucking "We Hate Darren Till" show. No, we have not been meaner to anybody. We <laughs> Darren Till. Yeah, um, and, you know, I was he's a Liverpool guy. I was I was on for him. Ben, from a from a technical uh, standpoint, it wasn't the most technical fight in the world, but I did think the finish was pretty technical. I think Duplessis is talented. I didn't see anything to change my mind about your very valid point of them both being uh, gatekeepers. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think we were pretty spot on there. Um, impressed with Brunson's grappling in the first round, but man, did he gas out. He uh, yeah, he got tired. He came out. Uh, Totally uh, pancake Duplessis. Looked like he was going to control him from side control. Uh, and uh, from that point forward, just looked worse and worse and worse. Man, uh, if, he, if you don't have a gas tank at that level, for a three-round fight, you're not even you're not in the main event. You're not, you're not getting into the championship right. rounds. I don't know what I, I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> like that. Uh, and enough for nothing, sure, Duplessis won, but he wasn't enjoyable to watch. Um, no, he is. He's, he's not enjoyable to watch. The finish was kind of cool. But other yeah, yeah. than that, I feel like 
yeah, I agree. I think he has like a very, I, I'm not going to put money on him again because it just, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to watch him get tired. It doesn't feel good to watch him start it. Like kind of look like he's getting knocked out, run backwards in a circle. Like all that stuff was just too scary for me. It was too stressful. Won the bet, but like 19 and two he, he is now. And I just feel like that's padded, you know, like that's, that's a two loss uh, statistic for a guy that's going to be a five loss statistic before you can blink, I think. And because I think what that Brunson fight did on a pay-per-view is like, now they're going to match make him with someone real. And if he fights like Robert Whitaker or someone like, come on, like, it's exactly. like, that's not going to go well for him. Think about uh, the people. You know, think about the people in the middle weight that are ranked above him. It's it's Pereira, Adesanya, Whitaker, Knoyer, Marvin Vittori and Sean Strickland, who I don't think he beats any of those guys. Oh, my God. I would hate to see Sean Strickland win any fight ever again. Completely agree. Fucking hate that guy. But uh, I, I mean, I think he's gotten here to to his credit for being so awkward. Watching watching that guy fight and bounce around and, and hobble back and forth. I thought he was one strike away from doing one of the dim mock pick up dirt and throw it in the opponent's eyes. I had Ferguson. no idea what was coming with that guy. He was, he was <laughs> He's also, yeah, and he's also a fucking weirdo. And you can tell it comes through in his fighting style. On the note of fatigue, Ben, when you're tired, right? And have you ever put, have you ever been in a situation, question A part of the question, and then the B part after that is how it usually goes. Uh, have you ever been in a situation where you thought to yourself, fuck, I, w- I wish I worked a little bit harder. I wish I ran a little bit more. I wish I just, uh, if I just had a little bit more A. B, when you're in that situation, how debilitating of a thought is it? And what does it take to get a second wind? Is it mental or do you just like hope for the best in your energy reserves? So yeah, but in that situation before, it's never been a conditioning thing, in my opinion. It's been a weight cut issue. Um, mm. Weight cutting, weight cutting became a, a big problem for me. And in 2017, I stopped cutting weight, and I felt great, felt fantastic. I was able to fight at a heavier weight, fighting bigger guys, but uh, I just felt stronger. There yeah. were there were a couple times I was fighting down in Minnesota one time, and first second round felt very very active pushing the pace, pushing the pace, third round came and I just didn't have it anymore. And then to your, to your second question, from that point, what do you do? At that point, I was much, much, much farther along in my career. I had had a pretty storied at that, at that point. So I felt comfortable just waiting, waiting to pick my shot and, and kind of getting on my bike a little bit and, and, and waiting for an opportunity. But, uh, then it is a hundred percent mental. If you're, if you don't, touch somebody from that position and you feel like you then get the step above them and then you can open up once that happens you're you you open back up and you feel like your second wind comes but if that doesn't happen it doesn't just come back in my opinion yeah something has to a spark has to happen yeah i feel like you've seen that right like i feel like you've seen guys get tired because that's it's funny that you say that because anecdotally i feel like i've seen guys get tired because they rushed a little bit maybe sometimes because they're not you know, being patient because they're throwing just to throw. And then all of a sudden that fatigue has lucked out for them because now they, like you said, now they're picking their shots, right? They're like, I'm going to wait. And in the if experience brings that, then that's the answer to that. But they're like, I'm going to wait and I'm going to, I don't have many shots left. So I got to pick them good. And that patience almost maybe lulls the other guy in, you know, yeah. like <laughs> just for like a counter punch or a situation like that. And it's like, You've calmed down now because you have to. You've calmed down now because you've like lost some energy and now you're going to be able to counter punch, right? <laughs> because it's like you're not going to want to you're not going to want to just punch for the sake of punching. I wonder <clears throat> that the, uh, it speaks to the idea of these different cardio levels in in MMA. The the wrestlers that wrestle can wrestle all day. The strikers that strike can't, you know? Like I just think your most in-shape striker if you throw a certain volume of strikes, you're going to get tired. It's just like going to happen, especially if a lot of them are hitting air or if they're getting blocked or whatever it is. And I think what Duplessis and Brunson kind of brought was this like strange middle ground of skills where it's like they're pretty, pretty good. They're not elite elite, but they're pretty, pretty good. So you get these situations like you're talking about, Ben, where it's like, oh, he he calmed down a little bit because he was like throwing things too much. And he's like, his experience is there. If he's at this level, his experience is there. But Maybe the eliteness isn't quite there, so they're not going to capitalize on things that already happened. Matt, Cody Garbrandt won. That's exciting, right? I mean, I feel like I mean I bet on Cody. It it was a it was a it was a little bit of a strange thing to do because even though I thought he looked as talented as I've ever seen him, 
I, we talked about his talent on uh, on on last week's show. I think he looked fast, just like he's always been. But he was he came in with a smarter game plan. He finally left that fucking gym, alpha male, uh, and now he can actually play defensively when he needs to. However, when he was touched by Trevin Jones on the face, he looked like he was ready to go to sleep. He looked like he was immediately ready to go to sleep. So again, another piece of the theme from a gambling perspective. <laughs> I didn't feel good about that. <laughs> like that third round, I was like, Jesus Christ. I knew he was going to win on points. But that third round, I was like, that chin is the most fragile thing since like the queen's jewels. Like if you br- if you drop that, it's going to shatter. I, ca- I can't with that chin, dude. Like, yes, he was more defensive, but those were taps he was taking. Those were not knockout punches. He takes anything clean ever again. He's going out, right? Without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. You know, hats off to Trevin Jones for staying in there with him when Cody looked as sharp as we've seen him in, what, his past five fights. But, man, he was acting a bit like a fool. And then when he got hit, he looked like he was in another universe every time. Cody has put himself in a horrible position where now he has to fight a real fighter. And I'm not going to bet on There's no chance I'm going to bet on somebody that has a clean hook to fight Cody because I think he's just going to go to sleep again. It just, I, I, God, I don't like... I don't have anything really personally against him. It's just he's looked so bad. And I, I, he looked much better. So hats off to him. But I want to see him fight somebody real, not a 13-9 and nine fighter. I wish he was at that gym his whole career. I wish he was at that fucking gym he's at now his whole career. Ben, a recurring theme on this show is going to be something I mention every week. You've never been knocked out. Not one time. Not one uh, time. I actually have been knocked out before in drunken oh, God, fight no. situations. And you never have, and you got in real fights on purpose. So that's impressive. When a guy like Cody Garbrandt comes in, it was a smart game plan, like I said. He doesn't get tagged bad enough to go out. I'm 100% sure if he ever gets another anything resembling a big smack, he's going unconscious. His chin's gone. It's gone. It's not there anymore. What part of it, in your experience, there's no way you haven't taken bell ringers. Maybe you haven't gotten knocked out, but I'm sure you've taken some bad ones. I'm sure you have a top three. What is it about the confidence levels in your chin? How much does that factor in? Because I, well, I, I think half of Cody Garbrandt's problem is he's worried about his chin. Like, I think he's like, shit, 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 shit. And then the other half is that it actually is gone. I, I think that his brain is trained to shut off when he takes a hard smack. He's just at that point. So did your confidence in never having get, not getting knocked out help you? And also... Those big smacks that you took, was there any moment where you had to go, I'm not getting knocked out right now? Because there was a moment there once or twice with Cody where he was going, oh, shit, I'm getting knocked out. Like he was almost ready to accept it, you know, <laughs> like on that borderline level. So tell me that. Yeah, man, Cody Garbrandt, the 90-10 fighter guy wins 90% <laughs> of the fight. And then if he if he doesn't get knocked out in the last 10 seconds, then he still gets his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I think confidence in your chin is is a is a huge deal because you can't be once the fight gets going, you can't be thinking about anything else. You you can't be thinking about I shouldn't be in the pocket. I shouldn't be in the pocket. You should be confident to move forward to be able to slip to get in there. If you need to, if you need to go for a takedown, you have to get in the pocket. You have to be within striking range the entire time. There was a time. Uh, oh, you guys watched this fight on TV when I fought at Foxwoods and. Mm-hmm. Um, I got uh, clocked with an elbow on the top of the head, and my and my feet just went out from under me. That that was one of the strangest things I've, that's ever happened because that was the first time I had been knocked down in a fight, and uh, I got hit on the top of the head, and my legs uh, got all tingly, very numb, and they went out from underneath me. I got got back up. I wasn't ten counted, which benefited me on the scorecards, but not in the fight. So I didn't get ten count. I didn't get a time time to recover fight immediately started i had to immediately clinch that that was a rough one because then you have to control the di- you have to immediately control distance when you get rocked like that if you don't and you're letting this guy pick shots you're about to get put out one way or another so i mean i am worried about cody like his mental health but yeah i i, I feel like those cold hard facts about getting separated from your consciousness are just going to never put him in a position to ever be a champion again what do right. you think man no i agree with you and i you know I'm sure it's extremely difficult because I think I remember Ben fighting at Mohegan Sun in a boxing match 
And he got tagged with one that didn't put him down, but you could see in his eyes at the moment, he didn't know where he was. And afterwards he told me uh, it was a bright light. It was a flash. And I kind of forgot what was going on. And I mean, when that happens to you, if you're a professional fighter and you're looking around a ring and you can't figure out what's going on, that's, you know, that's terrifying. First of all, it's going to rock your confidence. And then how do you have a game plan going forward until you feel healthy again? And you hear the commentators screaming, Oh, he's hurt. He's hurt. That's what they're talking about. And Cody just, Every time he takes a shot, he looks like he doesn't know where he is. So I'm not yeah. betting on Cody. I don't, I'm never betting on Cody again, but no, me neither. It's too bad. So on that sad note, uh, let's move on to the main card. Bo Nickel, Ben, did Bo Nickel need that guy in the balls? Oh my God, bro. We saw you. How are you going <laughs> to, how are you going to come out make a statement like that afterwards? I didn't, there's no, or whatever it was it's on camera. It's what on you- camera all over the internet. He said, I'm not a cheater. First of all, nobody's accusing you of being a cheater, but we all saw it. The guy's yeah. not lying. Yeah, first of all, don't panic, Bo. We all we all you're incriminating yourself. Uh, he was like, I can see how it, he literally basically said, paraphrasing slightly, but when I saw his reaction, first of all, don't react. Any good publicist would have been would have told him to just be like, No, I I beat his ass. I was always gonna beat his ass. Like, don't worry about it. You just you dismiss it as a thing. He added fuel to the fire with the idea of being like, I can see how it looked exactly like that, exactly on the high definition 4K camera footage being broadcast to like 64 countries. I can see how it looked like that. But from my that's just camera tricks. From my perspective, it was the inside of his thigh. It was like, Bo, I heard the screams of his dying children. You need him in the fucking testicles. It happened. Did that did that contribute to the takedown? No, I mean, I, I think the guy was happy to get a little bit of an out, to be honest with you. I think he probably felt Bo's strength. I think that it was like very obvious that he knew he was going to get fucked up and he was in there to get fucked up. And as much as we said, there was a theme of like underdogs doing pretty good uh, on this card up until this fight. And unfortunately, the main event, uh, I think this guy was just in there to to get beat by Bo Nickel. I think he knew he was in there to get beat by Bo Nickel. And I think getting needing the balls, he was like, oh, great. I Like, now I can be like, well, I got needing the balls. That's his best case scenario for him, I think, going and leaving that fight. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, there there's no way around it. The guy was going down. He was getting tapped in the first. Um, Bo came in with a plan, and he stuck to it. He executed it. The nut shot was uh, pretty blatant on the replay, but it was so quick when it happened, and from such an uh, from such an odd angle from that uh, from that uh, from that standing co- uh, control position that uh, I, I don't I I don't. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, I stunned. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I think it made sense that the rep didn't step in there. It was hard to see, but it didn't matter. He was he was going down one way or another. Was Bo, it Herb uh, Dean? Was Herb Dean the ref? Oh man, what a rough night he had! I don't, oh I don't my remember. god, dude. Sometimes he has nights where I'm like, "You're gonna let somebody get killed." <laughs> like this is, this is it's not unbelievable. Good. It's unbelievable. Ben, can you tell me? Because I'm sure you've been clipped in the in the balls before during a fight. What is is does that five minutes cure the the pain? There's no way. That that brings you all the way back to, to ready, right? No, but but here's the thing: most of the time, uh, or the few times that I that I've taken a nut shot, and then when when you normally see it happen, you're protected. That's what the cup is there for. You need that time to not recover from the nut shot, but to recover mentally and think about because most of the time, if people take the full five minutes, they are tr- they are getting their ass kicked. They're looking for a way out there trying to rethink their game plan it's happened to me that exact situation has happened to me before and i've done it to people and i've seen it happen to them when i knew when this five minutes is up let me get back in there i'm about to take this guy out it's not about the recovery from the actual hit itself it's from trying to recover mentally yeah i mean what i did learn though and i i listened back to our show before i started placing my bets because i believe in us but i couldn't remember everything we said yeah. and uh one of the things that ben said is i i i was making the case that bo nickel could fight for the title now that's you were right he's not there yet uh but i do think my point stands that i don't think he thinks that he needs to add shit to his game and i think i learned watching him that he definitely does he like definitely does i i as much as it was a first round finish and it, it should have been a first round finish and he did a good job with the first round finish. 
he he looked like a guy that if he came up against a Hamzat or 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 like a, a Rob Whitaker or like you know some like they're gonna stuff his takedowns and then they're gonna beat his ass. Like I I can actually see that happening if he doesn't add something to his game. I think he's got the athleticism to do it. I think he's got the the fight IQ to do it. Uh, I think he's got the build to do it and the base of, of what he's learned. But uh, Matt, what do you think of his? I mean, I just think I think you can see holes already. I really do. Without a doubt. So I just want to pat myself on the back because it was such a bad uh, odds fight that I took him for submission in the first round. No big deal. But, I mean, he went down. He slipped in the first round. He didn't look comfortable on his feet at all. I feel like if you're Bo Nickel, you have such a gift at wrestling that you shouldn't focus on it really at all. He can dedicate... And he's so young, dedicates so much time to fixing his stand-up game, fixing his clinch game, figuring out another aspect that he can throw at these guys. I don't think he would beat anyone at the top of the bracket right now. I think I think he could. I think it's always possible with the wrestler. But like we said the last time, everybody's got a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. And he's going to get punched in the mouth by a, a gifted fighter. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm happy to have him be an anchor in a parlay for me a few more times, though, because uh, that was an easy lock. Gamrot, Jalen Turner. Damn it, guys. Our guy. Our guy, Jalen Turner. I know he was an underdog, but he looked good. He really mm-hmm. do, did. I think Gamrot was just like, whew, he was strong. I think you can make maybe a case that Jalen Turner won the fight, maybe. But I still am a fan of his. Ben, you're still a fan of his? Yeah, man, that was that was really... So, honestly, props, props to Gamrot. He hid his takedowns behind his punches really well and was the much, much shorter fighter and did a great job of entering the takedown distance that he needed to against a much taller guy. But man, Jalen, Jalen Turner, what an exciting guy he is to watch. And I'm back and forth to your point. There is a case. I think that he won because how do you, how do you judge octagon control versus damage versus takedowns? I think at some point the, the scoring system needs to be revisited maybe yesterday, but, uh, but, but he, he, he was controlling the center of the, of the ring, um, landing hard strikes when Gamrot was controlling, he was taking him down pretty much at will and, uh, and, but no damage there. Damage has to outweigh everything. It's a fight. And to, to your point, I, I I think in a, in a different world, we would have seen uh, Turner win that. Yeah. I really, I'm for the fighter, Matt. You know, I, I, I want, I want somebody to go in there and try to do damage, not try to hold on, not try to control. I'm not saying he was doing a full blown Kamaru Usman impression, Gamrot, but I think that he was less interested in looking to finish the fight, which I, I factor in like as, as an audience member. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew, but I think that this, this is where we're always the farthest apart from the judges in situations like this. Right. And I think, uh, I think we said it to each other while we were watching the fight. It reminded me a little bit of, of, Islam versus Volk, where, yeah, you nailed a takedown, but what did you do next? You didn't advance. You didn't put him in a, in a submission position. You didn't ground and pound him. You took him down, and then he stood you up again. And when you were standing up with him, it was clearly Turner in control of the fight. It was without a doubt. So that was a frustrating one. Yeah, the judging system doing this pseudo kind of boxing judge See, so- that's a weird point, though, because it is on the boxing scoring system, but at least in boxing, guys looking to fight get scored higher like guys looking to fight well, i mean obviously the fucking fixes in every other week in boxing like it depends who i guess well <laughs> you know which way the odds are going but i mean look at that jake paul tommy fury fight it's like jake paul looked more desperate you know i i think you could judge from a technical uh standpoint you can judge that tommy fury like did a lot better but he did take some damage like he took some hits you you gotta be looking to try to do some shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Tommy looked like he was trying to finish Jake Paul. Jake Paul would look like he was trying to get Tommy off him by hitting him. You know, right. when you when you're in a situation like the Gamrock Jalen Turner fight, I it's hard to to put this into a sentence because it sounds kind of stupid coming out of my mouth. I think, but I want the guy who's trying to fight to get a better consideration than the guy who isn't. And I know that means that as a judge, you have to look at it like I favor the striker sometimes a little bit. But I think that like you're saying, Matt, like there is a way to judge advancing positions. There is a way to judge trying to finish the fight. You can t- I can fucking tell. I, I'm sorry. It's not that hard. The eye test, I can tell. I can tell when a guy's trying to hang on and get through something. And I can tell when a guy's trying to advance and trying to dominate. You can tell when someone's trying to dominate in a grappling match. When Marty Fake Newsman. 
I almost, I was like about to say it, and I just watched that video of uh, Cody, Cody, what's his name? Covington. Covington, Kobe Covington, fucking uh, <laughs> screaming Marty Fake Newsman at him. And it's like such a bad joke that it's good. Like, it's so terrible, and it has no hint of irony at all. Like, he doesn't understand, like, any level of the joke, even though it's a really simple and stupid joke. So it comes full circle to kind of being funny. Anyway, I think uh, I think you can tell a Kamaru Usman. I really genuinely think you can tell it. I think it's like, oh, shit, he's trying to hang on. If he doesn't get separated by her dean, of all people, in that Leon Edwards fight, he doesn't get knocked out. He just controls him on the cage for the remainder right. of the, the fight, and that's just what he does. Right. There has to be some way. Maybe it's the ref speeding it up and, and separating them. Maybe it's maybe you just judge that out of the sport. You know, just just every time it goes to the judges, you just didn't get credit for for winning a tie clinch and doing nothing else. You just didn't get credit for maintaining uh, like a especially a tie clinch, Ben. You know, like you, like when you when you clinch up with somebody, the second you get a dominant clinch position, you're looking to throw strikes. Right. Like that's yeah. like the first thing you're trying to do unless you're taking a break. So 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 here's where we differ. I think what you need to do is so that so I know this is getting a little Joe Rogany, but uh, no time limit, no rounds. So grappling happens in a different medium than striking does. So striking, you're constantly looking to to be to throw damage. You clinch, you immediately need to hit as hard as possible. In grappling, you see these submission-only matches that go on and on and on where it looks like there's a stalemate, but it's just resting in a, in a comfortable position, waiting to then advance position. Grappling, there's no way around it. It's just not as exciting to watch. However, there's a lot of technique going into those times where it looks like nothing is happening. And when you start to getting stood up, that's something that shouldn't be happening. When one somebody... Okay, okay, all right. Hold on a second. Let me just argue with you for a second because I know yeah. that you know more about this than I do, but I'm looking at it from a... This is the thing that hasn't happened yet on this show with us. Sometimes myself and Matt look at this from a sporting perspective. You look at it from a martial arts perspective, which I respect. However, we're trying to put asses in seats here, guys. We're trying to sell tickets, you know? We're trying to... This is... I'm watching this to be entertained. Now, you might be entertained seeing the technique more than I am because I'm just like less educated on on it as a as a martial art. But I'm educated on it as a sport. And quite frankly, I just wish they had a stood Connor and Khabib up. I mean, what I'm saying is <laughs> what I'm saying actually is sorry. Freudian. That was a Freudian slip. What I'm saying is there's box office motherfuckers out there and they throw punches. You know, and like, I want that, you know, the more if 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 Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman, if Herb Dean doesn't step in and break them up, we are deprived of one of the great last second knockouts in the sport, you know, and and I, I agree with you. It's almost like you're right. You're correct. You're you're morally correct. You're technically correct. And I still want to change it. You know, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I hundred. I get it. Uh, I, I and, and honestly, I'm right there with you. I wouldn't want to watch an hour fight hour-long fight of two guys literally ready right. to throw up on each other. Um, <laughs> but, well, you've probably but, sat through a lot of those. You know, you've probably sat through a lot of these grappling competitions that, that like you said, result in sort of stalemates. But but what are we, but what are we trying, with mixed martial arts, what are we trying to prove here? What is the better martial art? Who's the better fighter? Or who's the better showman? Today, it's who's the better showman. And I am, and I get that. The, there are, there are tickets to be to be sold here. But, in a fight, if you were in a back alley with somebody fighting and nobody was going to come interrupt and you got and you took that person down, you're not getting stood okay. back up. Okay. Okay. Here's my compromise. Here's my compromise with that, right? If you sell me, if you sell me your magic beans, I'll sell you my magic beans. You ready? The end of the third round, you score the guy in the dominant position higher than you scored the guy in the dominant or not dominant position in the other two rounds. And here's the logic. If there was no rounds, who looks like they were going to die? That you, I want that to be an actual judging consider, consideration, right? I'll give you an example of how much I actually believe in this because I'll, I'll admit something to you, something people may forget. McGregor Diaz two. At the very end of the third round, Connor gets his legs like taken out from under him, and I'm willing to bet if there was two more minutes in that round, he he's not getting up. He's either going to get submitted or he's going to stay on his back for like the remain. Because Nate Diaz's jujitsu is at that level where the energy levels had 
made it impossible for Connor to sort of mitigate him the way that he was able to mitigate him. And Nate was just ready to go on for 17 more rounds. I just know he was. He could have gotten punched in the face for the next two days. So I'll give you that if you give me don't let them mitigate the fight from happening in round one or two. You know, like I think in round three and I'm talking about judging it out of the sport. Matt, weigh in on this part of it. I'm talking about judging it out of the sport. It's not a rules thing. It's not, don't even stand them up or whatever. Just make it, like, let them have their fight, but make it so that when they're scored, that didn't win them the fight. Not the way it does now. You know, I mean, let the martial art be the martial art. But like, when they're scored, it's like, you got to try to win, dude. You got to try to win. It doesn't necessarily have to be by striking or being exciting. I need to see you trying to win. Matt? So the, I agree with you, Dave, because and I know Ben knows this. If me and Ben were ever in a fight, he could put me in a position on the ground and not do anything and literally keep me there until I starved to death. And there'd be nothing <laughs> I could do about it. And we, we all know that fighters like Usman and fighters like Islam will put fighters in a position where they're on the ground. They're not making any movement go forward. They're not looking for something to go forward. They're literally scoring around for themselves, knowing that they just won two or three rounds. And that's what we need to figure out how to fix here in this game. And what I heard was uh, a talking head was talking about a time limit on people on the ground and where they're moving and what they're doing. And I know Ben's right. Ben's absolutely right. You watch, you watch the, the, the Gordon Ryan's of the world fight. They sit there forever waiting for somebody to flinch the wrong way and turn right, turn left. But in the UFC, we're talking about serious money on the table and these guys know when they've won rounds. So we need to figure out a way to stop them from stalling fights or, or finishing fights in the third round when it's a five-round fight. I agree. All right. Well, that that tangential uh, tangent aside, Jeff Neal and Shavkat Rachmanov fought. You're right, Ben. Jeff Neal's, Jeff Neal's a gamer, dude. Woo! He's a fucking gamer. Yeah. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the shit out of that fight. Yet another fight on this card where I saw a underdog still get beat, as we all thought he was going to, but put in a way better performance than we thought. And I don't, uh, I don't have any ill will towards Jeff Neal for missing the missing weight by four pounds. He put on a great show. That Shavkat cat uh, can sure take a fucking punch too. Holy shit! Like he might have zombie qualities. It, it, there's, there's, uh, there's things about how, some of the punches he took where I think that might have put out different lesser men. Um, I mean, Jeff Neal victory lap, even though he lost, Ben, it is a good call. Man, what it. Mm, the most enjoyable fight to watch of the night, in my opinion. Shopcott, fantastic, super, super aggressive in the pocket, bobbing, weaving, throwing punches, striking, never stopping. Both guys showing incredible chins. Jeff Neal, I think, showing a little bit more technique in his chin with turning away the Mexican roll a little bit and leaning out of punches, as opposed to Shopcott just saying, I'll eat more of those. But, uh, Really, really impressed with Jeff Neal. Happy to see him in there because he's such a uh, such a talented fighter against such a talented guy. He did so well. Matt Shavkat, they're going to put him against someone serious now. Not that Jeff Neal's not, but you know what I mean. Uh, I might still ride with him. Honestly, we're we're in the elite territory now. The the fight right before the co-main, and they were they were putting that guy in the shop window for us all to see. I think that's what the matchmakers were doing, and I think uh, I think I liked what I saw. I genuinely do. I know he took some damage. I know he's not perfect, but his record is, and he's about to get maybe punished for being good. But what do you think? I mean, I guess it depends who at welterweight they put him up against, but let's just play a fun game. Him versus Leon Edwards. Who are you betting on? I think that's a bad fight for Leon, honestly. I think this this kid kind of is, right? It'd be a real problem for Leon with his ability to take shots and his ability to keep moving forward. I, I was really impressed. With, I was impressed with both. I'm going to ride with both of them on the next fights. Obviously, the odds were were the odds, but I took Shavkat in the first round. I lost. Uh, but man, man, he was super impressive. Both of them were. I, I had That was absolutely the best fight of the whole night. I really liked that guy. I really enjoyed it. I think that there's no, uh, there's no world in which I would bet on him if he was like we were just talking about fighting a Kamaru Usman type. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't win that fight, but I just like I haven't seen enough of... I know he won by submission, but I just haven't seen enough of all that game. Um, but yeah, he can definitely take shots, and I think we're going to watch him put on fun performances, if anything, over the course of the next 
year or so. Absolutely. Um, I enjoyed the shop window aspect of it. But again, I mean, hats off to Jeff Neal. I hope he sticks around. We'll see what what's, what he has to do. He's never going to be a champion at welterweight. There's too many sharks in that sea. But I think, and it, you know, it, it went the wrong way for him in that sense. I think there was a world where you might have seen him as a champion at one point, but uh, potentially. But I'm still going to watch him fight. I'm still going to enjoy it. I think he's still a guy that can test people. And, and Shavkat passed that test, but others may not. Right, um, Shavkat, just before we move on, Shavkat is now ha- now uh, they're they're trying to match him up with Colby. Co- uh, I'm sorry, Colby Covington, which I, I would sh- bet on Shavkat in that fight. Absolutely, and I love watching Colby lose. So I hope yeah, that's they only make because that. I only ever bet against Colby Covington <laughs> because I feel like I'm betting against fucking Sauron. Exactly, <laughs> like I'm fighting a battle of good versus evil. Him and uh, him and that fucking other guy we just talked about, the middleweight that we all hate, Sean Strickland. Strickland. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see that. Me Who would too. you have been, Shavkat or Colby? Shotcut, um, just because I hate Kobe. But uh, Shotcut's got a gas tank too, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, no, he, he's, 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 got all, he's got all the skills to beat him, and uh, he's not as hateable. That's fucking for sure true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of hateable, Valentin is kind of hateable. You know, uh, the whole Chael Sonnen of like, oh yeah, you know, tell everybody she's a terrible person. I mean, that whole thing this week was fucking hilarious. But And you're talking the curtain for John Jones and like all that shit was just fantastic. But I was happy to see her lose. I was genuinely happy to see her lose. I felt like that division was getting boring. I felt like she was almost holding up the title by fighting these tomato cans they were throwing at her. I feel like the her attempt at greatness, beating, uh, attempting to beat Amanda Nunez, uh, didn't work so it just became this kind of like all right let's trot valentina out again i guess like you're want you're just like how are they going to make another like ron perlman does a voiceover video with her or like a fucking ufc embedded of like she's dancing again she's still in rug fucking she's still in some fucking horrific arctic block country spinning around and like kicking people it's like ah where is the chael's right where is the narrative where is her promotion where is her uh ability to sell it's not there it would the my dad always says he's like, you know, coming to this fight, he was like, you know, I think the fix is in here. They don't seem to really want to advertise this Valentina Chevchenko. He's like, they're gonna they're gonna get her out of there. And then it makes you believe in these conspiracy theories because that's the best thing that could have happened to the UFC right there. It that's really the best was. case scenario that Grosso came in and they were like, they were low-key feeding us propaganda about it too. That's why I thought the, the the Vegas line was so bad. They were going, a Mexican boxer. And you're like in the HBO, like fucking 24-7 voice, a Mexican boxer coming in to take the champions, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I can see it. I can see it happening. You fucks talk me out of it. But anyway, I, I didn't think I she was going to win by fucking submission. I can't confirm. Moments before the fight, Dave was going to put every dollar he had won that night, which was quite a bit, on Grasso. And I did, in fact, talk him out of it. Um, Huge mistake. (laughs) Yeah, credit where credit's due, man. We were wrong. Holy shit. The narrative. The narrative won. You know, the narrative always wins. Damn, that was impressive. And, and, you know, I sent you guys that picture. What a tight squeeze. Just what an animal. Yeah, oh God, she came in there really ready to win against an opponent that sh- nobody gave her a chance in a championship round in the fourth round, and in a again, like you're right, in a situation where nobody thought she win. Also, I was surprised how the same size they were. I was really surprised when they like when they walked out and like looked at each other how m- not long Valentina was compared to her, and I was like. Yeah. She looks like someone who should be short. Valentina is longer than everybody. She could not find her distance properly against Grasso. She just nope. couldn't do it. Like you're talking about, we led this show off with the idea of coming in out of the pocket. Elite level footwork by Alex Grasso. Elite level footwork to the point where there's a video and you, we have to give this lady credit. Like she is on the scene now. There is a video. The last time I saw this happen, right? I thought one of the coolest things about my homie. Con Con about the McGregor man. I thought one of the coolest things I ever saw when I first started became, becoming a fan of him, when I watched his first few fights, he finally wins the featherweight belt after that great fucking tour, that victor, that that pre-victory tour he did. Knocks out Jose Aldo in 12 seconds. There's a video of him rehearsing his exact punch backstage. Back, He's like, he's going to come in. He's, he's got this low stance. You can see him walking through it. He's going to load up on the hand. I'm going to slip him and I'm going to knock him out. It's exactly what happened. Grasso, almost more impressively, anticipated stepping inside one of her kicks, taking her down and choking her out. And there's video of her doing that in fucking practice. Ben, in game plan situations like that, 
Can you ever even imagine a move like that, that well executed, working out that perfectly on a champion? Man, can you imagine it? That that's what you want. That's what yeah. you want to. Imagine. But exactly so what she pictured happening. So rarely does it happen. But that that just speaks to her coaching and her ability to be able to pull off something like that in happening so quickly, such a high paced fight against such a talented opponent. Man, that that's so impressive. That's something that you dream about. It does happen, but so rarely. I think she's got some of the best footwork in the sport. I really do. I, I We were talking about jabs earlier, Matt. Like, that fucking, like, that girl's got a perfect jab. Her footwork is perfect. She won the foot battle all day. She was outside when she wanted to be. She was inside when she wanted to be. She was, she completely managed the distance. And there was moments where, you know, you can look back in the fight. I'd say she was probably down. I'd say she going into that, in that finish, she was probably down the scorecards because I think Valentina had power. I think she had presence. I think she was still executing at a championship level. I think she's still a champion for a reason, right? Especially in the stand-up. But I did not expect Alexa Grasso to come around the corner with a fucking submission game like that. That was crazy. No, and I think I think you were you hit the nail on the head. We were warned about her. Her coaching staff tried to let everyone know in those yeah. interviews. Yeah, you got to listen to that. This girl is different. She walked through all of the Invicta League. Uh, she is literally, she stalked Valentina. Around the ring, which is like to think about anyone moving forward on Valentina with her power and her takedowns and her kicks. It was she wild. definitely had to walk through some pain. I, oh. I I guarantee you, she was not feeling great the next day. Without but a doubt, with, that's all the more impressive. Shot. I cannot wait. To, I, the only thing I hate about this is that we're going to get an immediate rematch when I want to see her fight other types of fighters now. Okay, I mean, sure. I, I'd put almost anybody against her at this point. I, I feel so confident in her abilities. I think they'll probably run it back, though. I think you at least got to give Valentina a shot to get her belt back. I think that's only fair. I think that's how you got to do it in combat sports. I just think, you know, oh. I mean, it's it, there's a chance it just wasn't her night. You know, like she still won every other, you know, all those title defenses as much as it wasn't like the greatest narratively, like I was saying. I think it was good. Right. But you, um, you talked about that line. Remember, we, we're watching the fight, and this is a this is a minus 600 Valentina line. And we said it. Said, no, this is clearly more minus 200 Valentina. And we were wrong about that, too. I mean, I think we were all baited into the, this situation. And I'm so excited to see what happens next. Yeah, me too. She was great. Unfortunately, the... Uh, the last fight of, and the main event of the night is going to be the shortest conversation, probably. Uh, I, I was telling anybody that was listen, who was going to listen that John Jones was going to absolutely walk through Cyril Gann. I mean, we were trying to find on last week, we were trying to find ways to talk Cyril Gann into maybe winning this fight. Like we were trying to imagine it and it just, I just didn't see it. One interesting takeaway though, like, yeah, I mean, he, he did a really cool thing. I think he may have cemented some goat status, I think that there's a case to be made uh, that he is the greatest of all time, but I do need to see him fight somebody better than that fucking absolute tin can that he fought on Saturday at heavyweight. And I love that it's going to be Steve Amiocic. I think if he beats him, then we can just stop the conversation right now. But uh, one interesting thing that I saw in like kind of his approach, Ben, tell me if it was ring rust or not. I don't think he feels super comfortable striking at that weight. I, I felt like he didn't, he, he looked a little, maybe it's because he hasn't been in the ring at the Octagon in three years. I mean, you tell me. Yeah. So ring rust absolutely must play a part into it because he started to loosen up as the fight went on. But John has always excelled when he has had the size advantage on, on his opponent, which he has on everyone because he's <laughs> a fucking freak of nature. But when he's in there against a guy like Cyril Gunn, it doesn't make as much sense for him to get in there and really try to trade. I don't think that would have been good anyway. I know we talked about that a little bit last time, him trying to come in there and be John Jones, beat this guy at his own game. But uh, I, I think if we saw more of a stand-up match there, I think it, I think he would have put himself in danger needlessly in God damn, did he just walk through that? That was crazy. Slipped the punch into the choke. Done. The takedown, too. Like, t tell me how technical you think that takedown is because I've seen it kind of lauded as a great wrestling takedown. But to me, it just looked like a guy being like, let's go to the ground, fella. <laughs> like, he just sort of like used his weight, just had a really good uh, like lock around his body. And I, I know he stepped into it. But it didn't look as technical to me as just like double legging somebody. Am I, am I just missing something? 
Well, because that that speaks to John Jones' ability. He's a Greco-Roman champion, which Greco-Roman, they don't shoot. They don't shoot for the legs with double legs. They control the upper body and go for throws. And that's exactly what he did. He He got in there, bread and butter, got his hands around him and just said, This'll do, son. <laughs> it was so elite. It was so elite. Like, oh. and the thing is, my cousin texted me right before the fight. She was like, hey, I'm actually watching the UFC. And she's married to a French guy. And she was like, we're cheering France. And I was like, I just need you to manage his expectations because I'm 100% sure that he's about to lose. And I'm almost 100% sure that it's going to be really fast and really embarrassing. And that's exactly what fucking happened and came to be. Ah, Matt, we should have bet a fucking first round finish. Of course we should have bet a first round finish. Absolutely. By the time you get to the main event, you're too jittery. You know, like, of course it was going to be a first round finish. What are we stupid? He hasn't been in the octagon in three years. We can't listen to that. We can't listen to those negative voices anymore, Matt. We can't do it. No, you're right. We have to be more confident in our bets, man. Watching him slip that punch and watching him grab Cyril. I, I, I literally said to a room full of people, I said, oh, it's over. That's the end of this. Two minutes and four and four seconds. He is the most dominant fighter I have ever seen go. GSP might be the best UFC fighter, but John Jones is the best fighter. That was unbelievable. It took Francis Ngannou five rounds, 25 minutes to win against Cyril. It took John Jones two minutes, two minutes to drag him to the ground, get his legs underneath him and choke him out. I want to see him fight Stipe so bad. It's, oh, I can't wait. And just like I, I said, wait. I still think John Jones is going to win, but it's such a better fight. It's it is such clear. a better fight. Tom Brady. And Stipe looks fucking confident yes he does but it's tom brady it's tiger woods it's michael jordan and it's john bones jones i don't know steroids <laughs> none of those other guys have steroids issues they just don't i mean i'm sorry but that's just the case I, I don't want it to be the case i want him to have like dana white was making the point imagine how big he would be if if he wasn't known for that other stuff it's it's i'm almost mad at him for for fucking up that legacy that i could have seen in my lifetime in real time that he there that's always going to be an asterisk it just is like if whether you th- think it's valid or not if people are talking about it it creates the asterisk all on its own it just does it's if it's part of the conversation then that's it maybe he needs to i i don't not believe that he can do stuff to make that go away though uh, that he can make that not part of the conversation anymore i really think he can but I don't think he's done it yet. Right. And if I can just, just for a second, because everyone's now talking about Cyril Gunn like he's a tomato can. First of all, he's a he dominant. Is. He is not a tomato can. He, he sucks. He walked through Derek Lewis. He he's walked sucks. through Tai Tuivasa. He he's, is. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. It's not a okay. very deep class. It's not a very deep <laughs> class for the heavyweight. But come on, dude. <laughs> it is It is just so clear that John Jones is on a different plane of existence than Cyril Gunn. Here's what you're doing. And it's a really good rhetorical move, but I think you're in the wrong room. Here's what you're doing. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm trying to prove A, A being John Jones is the best fighter of all time. And my counter argument was, well, he hasn't done quite enough to do that because of X. And then you were like, let me build up the resume in order to pump up the accomplishment of John Jones, let me build up the resume of the man he just fought. When everyone knows he sucks, Matt, everyone knows that he sucks. You know why? Because of exactly what we said on the last show. Fucking Francis and Ghanu wrestle fucked him. So John Jones was going to quadruple 10 times wrestle fuck him, which was the only thought I should have had in my head going into that fight, which makes me so fucking mad. But it doesn't matter. Come on, Matt. Don't don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining with this serial gun stuff. Listen, all I'm gonna say is the field is not deep and he's gonna run through it. And unfortunately, we'll see. Stepe's old man. Stepe's not. His head hasn't been in the game for a minute. Do you think Stepe can beat John Jones? No, but it's no. better. It's better. No, 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 it's better. Don't. It's better. I also would. I wish it had a timed out better to see uh, Cormier and Jones fight it at at heavyweight. I think that would have been like more interesting fight. I genuinely think Daniel Cormier as much as. He lost to Stipe those two times in heavyweight. He never really lost at 205 except to John Jones. Uh, I think that Cormier was at his best at heavyweight. I think his wrestling was like very different. I think he would have matched up very differently against Jones. I think he had a really tough time cutting to 205, to be honest with you. As much as he like looked good, his cardio still looked good. Like he was so much better at heavyweight. So I agree. I agree. It, th- those would have been better fights for sure. But I'm looking forward to how this heavyweight thing plays out. And quite honestly, Dana White can say that Francis is never coming back all he wants. Let's see when they're like you said, when John Jones runs through everybody at heavyweight and it becomes boring again for John Jones to be champion. Let's see if we can refuse that money. 
if we can refuse that money at the top of the heavyweight division. I'll say this last thing about John Jones. <laughs> to be the best heavyweight of all time in the sport of fighting, not boxing, just fighting, means you could beat any human being that we have on the ref- record books in any time period ever. And that's got to be a cool enough feeling to not get drunk and do cocaine. <laughs> like you have to be able to just realize that you're the most dangerous man who's ever lived, ever, ever, like fictional characters. A lot of them couldn't fucking run through you. You're the man with no name. You're you're the you're the gunslinger. You're you're you run this fucking desert. Just get high off that, John, because honestly, I, I can't do it anymore. I I, I want to see greatness and, and you're muddying the waters. And as an absolute degenerate myself, I get it. But come on, man. Fucking get it together. Uh, I, I hope new John Jones is real, but it looked like he was acting. Folks, we are. We thought that a recap of 285 was more interesting than a preview of the fight night this Saturday. But listen, it's going to be a good card. Tune in. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. There is narratives in there. But don't think we're not going to be back to do UFC 286. It's another fucking electric pay-per-view. Leon Edwards, Kamara Usman, three, technically. Uh, Justin Gaethje, Ra- Rafael Fiziev, Viz- I think is a great fight. Uh, Joanne Wood, and uh, who's she fighting? Luana Car- Carolina, she's fighting him. Vittori's fighting on it. I think he might be a little bit of an also-ran in, in that division, but we'll see. So tune into the next episode uh, next week, and we'll talk all about that. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. This has been Missing the Point. I host the rock podcast back to the arena the interviews it's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music you can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify Apple Google iHeartRadio and more if you're a rock fan like me subscribe today to back to the arena the interviews electric acid electric acid Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the the Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid.